Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to Grace Church on a beautiful Sunday. It's great to see all of you stand with us today. Turn to your favorite neighbor, give them a good old-fashioned fist bump, and tell them, man, you look good. Hey, before we sing today, I just want you to know, whatever's going on in your life today, if everything's wonderful and you're blessed, we're happy for you. But if you're experiencing difficulty and things have been hard these past few weeks and you don't know where it's coming from or how you're going to get out, I want to tell you something. Whatever the enemy has brought into your life that he is using to try to destroy you and intends for evil, God is able to take that and turn it around and use it for good in an instant. He is that kind of God. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. And he knows where you're at today. Lord, we worship you today. We're grateful to be in your presence. It's wonderful to be here with your people. We turn our hearts and our minds toward you today. But it won't prosper When the darkness falls It won't prevail Cause the God I serve Knows only how to triumph Oh my God Will never fail Oh my God Will never fail I'm gonna see a Turn it for good. 
So it's that time again. You may be seated except Noah and Joseph. You can come up here. <laughs> it's that time again. Um, it's time to give you all an update on our amazing quizzers who are fresh off of their latest tournament in Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, this was our second tournament of the season, and it was another state practice tournament with pr quiz programs throughout the state of Louisiana. And our quizzers, once again, represented you all well. Uh, they showed kindness and maturity beyond their years. Uh, because they quizzed so well this tournament, they had opportunities to score higher points after they won each game, and they held off in order to allow the other team to get some points and to have an opportunity to hit the buzzer. And that's a true show of sportsmanship and grace. And while the trophies are nice for, for them, uh, those are the moments whenever us coaches and parents are the most proud. As far as results go, uh, they placed second at this tournament. And Noah and Joseph were highest scorer and second highest scorer in almost every game that they played. And they were both on the all-tournament team, meaning that they had some of the highest personal scores of the tournament. So good job to you both. Um, please be in prayer for us. Our next tournament in March is an important one, and it would allow us to uh, potentially qualify for nationals. But more than that, just please pray that we stay motivated to continue learning these verses and that God speaks to us during our time of learning and study and that he continues to transform our hearts and minds as we continue through this quiz year. Thank you all so much. guys are awesome. Uh, before I get into the actual announcement that I have to make today, I want to ask you, sweet folks here at Grace, a few questions. Have you ever had this feeling like there's something more, but you just haven't been able to quite put your finger on it? Have you ever lived with this sense that God has something more for you in your life, almost like you're, you're waiting on something that you just you can't describe. Man, I've been there. I've been there. I've lived it. Got the t-shirt, the coffee cup, and every other piece of memorabilia that goes along with it. Uh, I know exactly how it feels. And if that's you, I, I want you to know today that there is more. That sense, that feeling that you have, it, it's, it's there for a reason. There is more. And I'd like to share with you an opportunity to figure some of that out uh, today with the help of some people who feel the same way, with the help of Scripture, and with the help of some biblically-based books that are written by people who have lived in that exact same place that I've been talking about. As you've heard from Sister Farah and Brother Ben over the past two Sundays, Grace Church is relaunching Sunday school at 10 a.m. Uh, on March 7th, and at least one person is excited about that. That's appropriate. And along with our Sunday school for children and our students and with Brother Ben's adult class, I'm keenly interested in seeing what God does through this new endeavor that we are calling Pages. And Pages is different from anything we've done in the past. And put very simply, uh, in pages, we are going to read and discuss books that challenge us to grow as Christians and move us toward that more that God has for our lives. 
So I want to give you just a few key points to keep in mind. First of all, I felt like the tension come into the room whenever I said read books, because some of you are like, Coop, you said books, and I'm just not a big reader. And you don't have to be. You don't have to be. The reading will be fairly light, um, usually about a chapter a week. Um, another thing I want you to keep in mind is that pages will be uh, a discussion-based effort as opposed to a lecture-based effort. Uh, so sharing verbally what we've read uh, over the past week and how it's impacted our thinking and our lives is going to be an integral part to what we do every Sunday. And then finally, I want you to know that Pages is open to anyone, anyone, age 19 to 900. Um, if you are married or single, if you just met Jesus yesterday, or if you are a well-seasoned saint, it's open to anyone. However, I do want to make you aware that because of the discussion-oriented nature, Pages will have a very focused capacity of about 15 to 20 people per session. So to that end, there will be a sign-up sheet available in the lobby after church today for the March 7th through June 6th session. And if we have more than 15 to 20 that sign up and are interested, then we will just do another session again in 12 weeks after the first session is over, which is something I hope we can do. So finally, just so that you know what you're in for, our first book, uh, we are going to jump right in to the deep end of the pool and read Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Now this this is not a book uh, that you can read and forget. You will either read it and reject it, or you will read it and let it change your life, but you cannot ignore it. It's good stuff, it's an easy read, very accessible, uh, but it will certainly challenge one's thinking. Let's put it that way. So if pages sounds like something that you need in your life, I want you to go put your name on that sign-up sheet in the lobby after church today. Come join us. Look, let's do this. Let's do this together. Let's, let's find out what the more is. There is more. There is more, I promise you. Thank you very much for your time and attention today, Grace Church. Y'all are awesome, and I love you. Well, thank you, Brother Jason. I would like to just take a moment and welcome everybody to Grace Church right here on campus today. We're glad you're here today. Are you glad to be here? Grace Church, why don't we just clap our hands and welcome our guests. So glad all of you are here today. And, and you made it through the, through the week, through the, the week that we did not expect to happen quite like it did. And here we are worshiping the Lord. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to be part of Grace Church today. And we pray that the service is a blessing to you. I remarked to someone this morning, it seems like we have so much information coming at us on a daily basis. It is hard sometimes to keep up with all the information that we have. Uh, and if, if you have kids, it's even more. Their school constantly bombards us with information, stuff you got to keep up with. It feels kind of that way here at Grace Church this morning, like there's a lot of information coming down the down the pike today, and I've got some more information to share with you on top of what you've just heard. So you may want to take some notes or just uh, file this away very carefully in your memory. But I do want to remind you of a few things. Before I do that, thank you so much for your generosity and faithfulness in giving. And uh, you can give online. You can also give on your way out today in Grand Central in the offering box out there that is there for, for, your, um, for you to be able to give. And so please be mindful of that. 
Today we are hosting a blood drive. Uh, you've probably seen the blood mobile out there um, when you drove up. And uh, that is officially from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Some of you have signed up for that. And I want you to know that this blood drive is very special and it's unlike any other that we've done here at Grace Church because it goes to benefit Mike Tomlinson. This is uh, Brother James and Sister Sarah's son and uh, he is dealing with a, a very serious illness and this is one way that Grace Church can help and, 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 and um, assist uh, in, in his recovery and in his medical treatment. And uh, I want to make a few comments about the blood drive today and about how it benefits Mike. Uh, first of all, he does receive directly from this blood drive. He does benefit directly from some is, from what is given today. Also, also for every every time you give blood, it, it has the potential to save up to three lives, just in general. And so that's a big a big thing. Also. If you give blood today, you will also get an antibody, a COVID-19 antibody result uh, from your blood work. And I know a lot of people uh, have been curious about that. You're into that, uh, and rightfully so. So today's an opportunity for, for that. So it benefits you in that way. And so finally, I want to let you know, if you didn't sign up uh, in time for the blood drive, you can still go over there after church. They're, taking, uh, they're receiving walk-ins without an appointment. And then you can also go this week to their place of business, and they have their address uh, out there available for you. And you can go to their place of business and tell them you want to give towards Mike Tomlinson uh, Blood Drive, and you can give that way as well. So please be, be aware of this. Be mindful of this. We want you to, to participate. It's a great, great cause, a great opportunity to be a blessing to the Tomlinson family. So make note of that. As far as what's coming this week, of course, uh, Monday night we have family prayer, United Family Prayer at Home at 714 and then again Tuesday morning you have an opportunity to pray right here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock and then most important I guess that I want to highlight today so that everyone remembers this coming Friday night is the night of worship that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks very special uh, worship leader for the Tim LeBlanc from uh, Pentecostals of Alexandria and so it's this Friday night at 7.30. We want you to come, we want you to worship, and we want you to be prepared for God to do some amazing things in your life and in, in Grace Church in general. We're expecting great things. So be prayerful uh, this week uh, ahead of the service, and then come with expectancy Friday night, and let's see what God will do. Amen? Amen. God bless you today so much. Again, we're glad you're here today. God's going to do some amazing things before we leave. The praise team is getting ready to lead us into worship. I want you to just pour your heart into this service and let's see what God will do. God bless you, Grace Church.
face may be darkest, your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. People is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. Keep hope alive, you keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails, keep, keep hope alive because you are
thank the Lord. Great to see everybody here today. You're glad to be in Grace Church? Glad to be in the presence of the Lord. Clap your hands one more time to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Great to see all of you today. And I want to say real quickly, uh, we're so proud of our quizzers. But I want to throw a big thank you out to Nathan and Courtney. Uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. They've really committed to this task. And uh, they're doing amazing. Uh, I was listening to her speak this morning uh, about the tournament yesterday. And I thought it is amazing that the kids did so, so amazing. But that's because of her leadership, her guidance. I thank our parents that are behind this and uh, doing such an amazing job. So congratulations to our whole team, to our whole staff of quizzers. And aren't you glad that Sunday school is starting back up in March here on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock? Thank the Lord. Praise God. And uh, we ask you to invite folks out with you. I know most of you do, and uh, but we ask you to continue that and uh, see what God has in store for Grace Church as uh, this year continues to unfold. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say today I'm coming to the pulpit with uh, somewhat of a, a heavy spirit. That happens sometimes. I listened to Brother Dave preach uh, an amazing message last Sunday about being moved with fear. I think that was applicable to a lot of people that were here last Sunday, but they didn't move with fear. Uh, as a matter of fact, when as soon as he was done preaching, they just headed on for the door. I thought about it this time last Sunday. The weather was already predicting the freeze, the freezing rain, possible powder, a power outage, and all of that. I know a lot of people went and bought groceries. We did. But then when power goes out, it's hard to keep them for more than a day or two in the refrigerator. And then you, you're limited in how much you can cook and what you can cook and so on. So our preparation for that was kind of in vain. But my point today is we were all aware of the past, uh, of the two or three days, Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday, of the storms that were coming think we really listened carefully to how devastating it was going to be. I talked to someone that worked at Demco and they said it's been far worse than any hurricane we've ever had. Nobody really paid attention. And so we were all caught off guard. We were all caught off guard. I, I want you folks to understand there's times coming that we're not prepared for. Let's go ahead and say it. Especially if you miss the rapture of the church, you're not going to be prepared for that. I want to read today from Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27. Kind of an unusual verse. Built a message out of it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. But the substance of a diligent man is precious. 
I want to preach to you for a little while today. I'm not here to be negative in any stretch of the imagination, but I'm here to be very relevant and very realistic. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning about the tragedy, the tragedy of a wasted opportunity. The tragedy of a wasted opportunity. You've been standing a while. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for your standing and your patience. God bless you. You may be seated. Much as the hunter that is described here in the Proverbs, the kill is made, but it is never appreciated, and therefore no benefit comes from it. The sad fact is that weekly and even daily, the sad fact is that weekly and even daily, there is an accumulation of things that rest directly outside the door of our soul and we neglect to capitalize on it. In our generation, there are, a, there are new places of worship that have arisen. Say worship kind of tongue-in-cheek. They're called Bass Pro Shops. They're huge edifices of hundreds of thousands of square feet. And everything that a fisher or hunter longs for can be in that building. The sportsman can spend hours on end searching through these places of worship. The hunter can find all sorts of things that will help him to knock down the big one. There are varied types of decoys like duck calls and deer calls and turkey friction calls and turkey mouth calls and all manner of decoys for turkeys, geese, ducks, and so on. There's virtually every brand of ammunition you can think of from Federal to Remington to Winchester. One can find camping equipment like pack tents, canopy tents, sleeping bags, lanterns, repellents and first aid kits, cook stoves that are either propane or butane, single burner or dual burner. There's coffee makers ready to eat meals that only need warming up and many other things. The fisherman can find numerous things that can help him to be a better angler. As far as bait, there are spoons and jigs and spinner baits and jerk baits and lizards and grubs and Jelly worms and trailers and crawls and topwater and creature baits. There's hundreds of rod and reel combinations such as the walleye angler bottom bouncer. There's the Johnny Morris signature series. There's the Wally Marshall crappie thunderbuster. There are waders and rain wear and pricey accessories to go with the clothing. There's all sorts of trolling motors, outboard motors, propellers and fuel tanks and accessories. So much energy can be spent on all of this, not to mention the money and the time that is also required of the hunter and the fisher. Then there must be careful planning as to when the hunt will begin. How early must the hunter rise to get into the woods? How much attention must he spend looking at the weather? As far as the hunter and the proverbs that we just read about, 
summed up in this single proverb is a stunning tale. The message is so compressed that it could be missed. Frankly, this parable is not so much about hunting as it is about the tragedy of the hunter wasting an opportunity. The man is a hunter, but he's a lazy one. He rises early and climbs into the tree stand. He has planned out everything. He has carefully put on his camouflage clothes and he sprinkled the deer scent on him to cover the human scent and he is sure his gun is clean and that he has all the ammunition he needs. His scope has been carefully sighted so that there's very little margin of error. It is no time before in the pre-dawn mist that he notices a huge trophy buck beginning to drift toward him. His pulse quickens and he tenses up in anticipation and closer and closer on comes the big buck. He sights him in the scope and watches for a few seconds and then he carefully squeezes the trigger. The buck is dropped in his tracks and the hunter scrambles down from the tree stand. He drags the trophy buck back to his camp and leaves it lying outside of his tent. It lies there for days on end. He never takes advantage of the kill. The stench begins to rise from the waste until it finally rots away. And the kill of the big buck never benefits him, his family, his friends, or his pastor. If we're not careful, preaching to everybody here today, I'm preaching to everybody, old, young, what did Jason say, from 19 to 900, from 18 and under, everybody. If we're not careful, our own lives can fall into this same pattern, and there's some here that have. Great things can come in our direction. We fire the shot, the game falls to the ground, but the good is never gained from it. No advantage comes from the opportunity. What has been taken in the hunt is never roasted or cooked for our benefit. I would be far less than truthful if I were to tell you that this has never happened in my own life. As the years press on, I begin to look back at all the doors of opportunity that have closed. In fact, one of the marks of maturity is to assess the lost opportunities that have come my way so that I can be attentive to the future ones that may be presented to me. Charles Swindoll said, time is short. Opportunity is knocking. Please answer it. The age-old aphorism remains true. Four things come not back. The spoken word, the spent arrow, time passed, and neglected opportunity. Shakespeare said there is a tide in the affairs of men which 
taken at the flood leads on to fortune. But omitted, all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. And we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. John Gouge said, you can commit no greater folly than to sit by the roadside until someone comes along and invites you to ride with them to wealth or influence. Again from the Proverbs, the writer said, The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom, and it grieves him to bring it to his mouth again. Jesus told a parable and it it, it, it stabs my heart every time I read it, it does. Because I have been guilty at times in my life of the very thing that Jesus is teaching. I hope everybody's listening here today. Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 16, And a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time, to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. For the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray that you would have me excused. Another said, I have bought five oak of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room, and the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. James wrote in his epistle, I want to say to all of us here today that what I am presenting, what Brother Dave presented last Sunday, should move us with some degree of fear. Are you so confident in who you are and what you've done and what you've accomplished that God's not really necessary? Are you so confident that you and God have a deal struck? If you can do more, it behooves us to do that. If you can be here, then it behooves you to be here. If you can. Not don't want to, if you can. James wrote in his epistle, Therefore to him that knows to do good and doeth it not. It doesn't matter where you commit the transgression or not. You just know better. To him it's a sin. I read this past week in preparation for today, a pastor wrote 
He said, when I was in high school between 1980 and 1984, our English teacher would pass out a news journal of sorts that was put out by the Scholastic Reader. It was a slick publication that would highlight high school students around the country and all of their accomplishments. One particular student who was on the cover numerous times during that four-year period was a baseball player named Daryl Strawberry. He graduated in 1980. The pastor said, I followed his career with a mild curiosity when he was initially drafted by the New York Mets and very quickly rose up through their organization. He made it to the majors in 1983 and was an all-star in 1984. His accomplishments on the field were very noteworthy because he was a very gifted athlete. He had much to offer their organization. In 1995, despite missing 40 games, 40, due to an injury to his right thumb, he hit 29 homers. In 1986, he hit 27 homers and had 99 RBIs, runs batted in, and the Mets won the the World Series that year. In 1997, he had 39 home runs and stole 36 bases, joining the elusive, exclusive club called the 30-30 Club. Over 30 homers, over 30 stolen bases. At the time, he was only one of 10 players to accomplish this feat. In addition, he had 32 doubles and had 104 RBIs. In 1988, he once again hit 39 home runs and to lead the National League. He had 101 RBIs and led the league in slugging percentage at .4545, batting over 50%. He finished a close second to Kirk Gibson, who was the MVP. But once again, the Mets made the playoffs but lost that year to the Dodgers. In 1989, he had a bit of a down season with only 29 home runs and only 77 RBIs, but the Mets were still in the fray for the pennant that year. In 1990, Strawberry hit 37 homers and drove in 108 runs, and began again, the Mets were in a pennant race with the Pirates, whom they would go to lose to. But in 1991, The slide that had started in Strawberry's career began to pick up steam. He signed a five-year, $22.25 million contract. He managed to have a decent season in 91 with the Dodgers, hit 28 home runs, had 99 RBIs, but soon injuries and personal off-field problems caught up with him. After the 91 season, at the young age of 29, He had hit 280 home runs, and there were sports writers all over the country who were making comparisons to him and Hank Aaron. Even though the observers touted him as a possible hitter to break Aaron's record, the vast majority felt that Darryl Strawberry was a lazy underachiever. After the 91 season, his personal problems escalated so much that he would not be able to hit his 300th homer for another six years. 
lying along the path of his rise towards stardom was the numerous mistakes that were like rotten garbage that he could not shake himself free from. Continual struggles with cocaine and domestic abuse and alcohol abuse that led to in and out of in and out patterns in rehab centers, legal troubles because of his failure to pay taxes and the list grew. The question at large in a lot of minds in the baseball world was that what could Strawberry have been if he could have just kept his focus? What could have he accomplished? If he had not wasted the opportunities, I've come to understand that there are a very few crucial opportunities that many often fail to see the great value in because the opportunities are neglected potential and it's never achieved and its purpose is never gained. I am pleading here today To our families, to our young people, there's people here today that are throwing opportunity away over stupid stuff. And if I know who you might be, then surely you know who you might be. Often we perceive that greatness is all around us. We find that greatness is all around us, but it's never perceived. There's much energy spent looking over the fence or gazing across the miles of land to some distant place when actually the greatest opportunity is right under our nose, right where we're living right now. I could make this very lengthy, but I'm doing my best to go as quickly as I can. It is found in some of the common relationships and friendships that we develop in our lives. What I'm about to present to you never has ceased to amaze me and it still doesn't. But that Lot of the Old Testament never took full advantage of his relationship with Abraham. Gehazi lost so much by not allowing Elisha to teach him. Demas had grand opportunities, but he loved the world. The Bible didn't necessarily point out sin. He just loved the world. I just want to be in the world. I want to engage what the world's doing. I want to see what the world's doing. I want to observe. I want to even participate and what the world's doing, and, and not knowing that Demas was, he didn't know that he was literally, he literally had personal access to one of the greatest men that's ever walked on this planet next to Jesus himself. Threw it away for the world that he's never heard of again. He had opportunity to hang out with Luke and Epaphras and others. But he never capitalized. He never capitalized on the opportunity. One of the things that the advantage of a relationship that was forever lost comes from one of the Lord's parables. I want everybody to listen. I'm talking to everybody here today. I don't ever believe it's too late to start over. 
I don't ever believe it's too late to try again. I never believe it's too late for that. I don't care how old you are and what your experience is. What you've been through, I believe everybody can, can start over. And I'm preaching toward that end here today. But Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 25, verse 10. And he said, it's a parable of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. And he said, that while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. The door was shut. The door. The opportunities ended. The opportunity ceased. It wasn't no more. The opportunity would never occur again. It would never happen again. It would never be offered again. The five foolish virgins could never see the industriousness and the willingness of the five wise virgins in keeping their lamps in perfect working order. They failed to take the opportunity to learn from their associates and their association with these other five wise virgins. There will come a day in in life when the door will be shut on every available opportunity to make a champion. After a while it happens. There have been other times that friendships have been carefully cultivated and fostered and then they were let go. Most of the time over something petty. I can't stress this enough. I could sit here and name you people. I, I, I could name people. I could call their names. I'm not going to do that. I even was reminded this morning. I just It's popped into my head about a man that completely lost his way. Ended up marrying somebody he probably shouldn't have married. Because he felt jilted by somebody else in his life. And the whole rest of his life has been one bad decision after another because he didn't understand that there was an opportunity to get things right, to get things straight. And what I'm preaching today, I want everybody to listen. It can happen in marriages. It can happen between siblings. And it can happen between friends. Yes, Bad things are going to happen. Difficult times are going to happen. You can be like Lot and make it an opportunity to separate. Or you can be like a wise Lot should have been to find an opportunity to reconcile. And become an heir to a promise. To become an heir to a promise that would change and impact this world as long as time lives on. We have, everybody here today has an opportunity. Don't waste it. Do the right thing. Do the better thing. Do the best thing. Do the good thing. Don't take the coward's way out. Don't take the cheap way out. Don't walk away like nothing happened. If you do, it'll impact the rest of your life. The hunter went at huge cost to gain the trophy and then it was completely and totally neglected. Trials can also be wasted. The great turmoil and upheaval 
And a man's soul during those moments of duress can be wasted. He is no closer to God, no deeper in his prayer or understanding, and no more powerful in the word. I want to stop here and say in passing, I'm still convicted over what happened to our mentality and perspective of the word of God all throughout last year. Some still haven't recovered. I never realized that our faith was so fragile. But what have we learned from last year? What have we gleaned? Do we pray better? Do we pray different? Do we pray more sincere or fervent? Does the word of God mean more? Does it mean less? Do some interpret God as a failure? We have an opportunity to see. If we can look back and say, well, really and truly, Brother Murphy, it was, you know, the medical world that got us through there. And it was a, the direction of our esteemed government and our highly esteemed media that got us through all of this. And we failed to see that if God had not willed it, no one would have survived. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Let me continue. I'm trying to be as brief as I can. Trials can make us look at life so differently. But when it's all said and done, what of it? Did this trial, whatever it is you've been through or that you're going through, can you look at yourself in the mirror and ask the following question? Did this trial really impact me in a way that will cause me to change for the better? All right. Let's talk about Thomas in the Old Testament. Listen to Pastor. And there are some sweet people watching on live stream right now that could be here. And I'm going to illustrate that point in a minute why it's important. I'm going to show you. But I want everybody to listen. If you're watching on live stream, quit petting the dog for a minute and sipping your coffee. Just, just listen to the Word of God for a minute. In the darkest trial of the life of Thomas, in the darkest trial of his life, when the moment that could have really and completely transformed him came, when the moment of revelation, when the revel of the moment of understanding, when the moment of comprehension finally came to Thomas. He wasn't there. Man, we can stay home over stupid stuff. We can stay home over... Folks, Sister Murphy and I had this conversation just yesterday. Nobody knows, and I don't guess you can know, the, the burden that pastors carry. But there are people sometimes that... You get this message and it, it rolls in you for three or four weeks and sometimes even months. As Brother Dave preached last Sunday, you finally have that opportunity to preach. And, and you think about all the people in your church that's a part of your flock. And, and man, this is going to help them. This is going to minister to them. And maybe this will challenge them. Maybe this will bring them to the altar. And you finally come to church and they're not here over something stupid. Over something temporal. Something they wouldn't have missed their job over that thing. So let's talk about Thomas. Listen, 
John chapter 20 and verse 24. Let it, let it hit you. Let it impact you. But Thomas, one of the 12, a leader in the church, a ministry team guy, if you will. One of the 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. Get your head around that. Trials that come to our lives can frequently cause us to lose great opportunities. Thomas lost his opportunity just simply because he wasn't there. He was dealing with the pain of the loss of Jesus. He was reeling an overwhelming disappointment of unmet expectations. Anybody relate to that? The gnawing doubt of what would happen in the future, the dilemma of being left alone by Jesus, even the stigma of being one of his disciples, all of these things contributed to his absence on that day. Had he just been there, he didn't have to do nothing. He didn't have to clap. He didn't have to worship. He didn't have to dance and shout. All he needed was to just simply be there. And all of these things in his life would have been taken care of just like that. But he missed it. All these things contributed to his absence on that day. These, this happens to us when we decide to check out on life and on our obligations. Thomas still had an obligation to the other disciples. Yes, he did. Thomas still had a responsibility to follow through with his loyalties. Yes, he did. But instead, he chose to miss out on the opportunity that his trial was going to offer to him. This happens to us when we miss that prayer meeting, when we miss that Sunday morning. When we missed that Wednesday night, I can't tell you how many times I've walked to this pulpit after counseling with people for hours and God gives me a word to give across the pulpit and I preach it with everything I have on the inside of me, but the person isn't here. Okay, let me ask you this. When that sermon is preached, and God's a God of second chances, and I get that, and Thomas, he, he got to make it up. God, God did a repeat session. He did. And I'm thankful he does that. But after a while, even the repeat sections, sessions don't work. But the sermon we needed to hear is forever gone. And watching on live stream is not a replacement. Had they had live, live stream back in those days, would Jesus appearing to his disciples been the same for Thomas watching it on live stream? Could he have touched his side and the nail prints in his hands and saw the nail prints in his feet via live stream? There's something about being present for opportunity to really come to fruition. I've yet to hear Anybody say from all of the people that watch live stream, and I'm thankful and I appreciate it so very much, and you all know that, but I've yet to hear a testimony. 
Nobody's ever called the church office and said, man, while peace pastor was preaching or during the altar service, I got to touch the side of Jesus. I felt the palm of his hand. I kissed the top of his feet. I did all that. Nobody ever says that. We get once in a while messages from people that said, I enjoyed your sermon. I don't preach for your enjoyment. I want you to go to heaven. So a time of prayer may have been the one that would have established us. A word of encouragement we might have received from another is lost. An opportunity for the Lord to really change the direction of our life and thought. Just as Thomas missed out on seeing the Lord on that first occasion, we must understand when opportunities are lost. Thomas missed a moment that could never be called back again. He missed seeing sight of the risen Lord. Thomas missed the first words that Jesus spoke out of the grave. Thomas missed the initial commissioning of the disciples. I hope you're all present here today. I hope everybody's present. Mind, spirit, spiritual victories can also be lightly handled. The besetting sin that was ardently and valiantly fought against the shame, the shameful habit that caused so much to be overcome, the time for prayer that was finally cut out of our busyness, the victory of overcoming our flesh through times of protracted fasting, the spiritual power that prevailed in our lives when we let go of the world long enough for God to really do something within these inside of us. There's, there's nothing like the exhilaration of spiritual victory and yet can be so wasted when we allow our spiritual life to slide back into some carnal, worldly rut again. Once again, consigned to being inhabitants of the land of wasted opportunities. Opportunities that are once gone, never are to be retrieved again. What of the spiritual promises or vows that were made during great times of victory? God, I promise I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this forever. And we say that to our young people, we say it at Youth Congress. God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But when you're hit with something right square between the eyes that leaves you flat on your back, staring up at the ceiling and say, God, what happened? That's the time you say, God, I'm going to follow through on what I committed to do. I have to move on. In conclusion today, We miss opportunities after great destructive events, and I'm, I'm closing. After great calamitous events in our nation, there are auditors who will sit down and attempt to calculate what has been lost. You remember Hurricanes Katrina and Rita and Andrew and many, many more. Untold millions and even billions of dollars lost. The thing that frustrates me so bad with a tornado is it can come through in a matter of seconds and level the ground of everything beneath it, everything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everything. And in just a few minutes, it's gone. You don't even see, you don't even see it no more. It dissipates back into the clouds. And, but all the damage is done. You think about all the damage and, and the cost of wars and tsunamis 
and floods. I'd be interested to know what this past freeze is going to cost utility companies and insurance companies. There's always destructive events, but with every one of them, there's an opportunity to rebuild. Now, when it comes to our house, most of us rebuild it. During the 2016 flood, some people walked away from their house and said, I'm sick of it and I'm not going to do it. I understand the feeling. But spiritually, when we're devastated, we walk away. It's too much trouble to, re to rebuild. It's too much trouble to say, I'm sorry. It's, it's too problematic to apologize. It's too problematic to, to restore and reconcile. It's, it's just too much work. I have to put on a tool belt. And I have to work at it. And when you lose trust and you lose confidence and you even lose faith, it even becomes harder. Because how do you know it's not going to happen again? But according to the scripture, it behooves us to be real men and to be real women. I look at all of our young fellas sitting out here. Everybody wants to be a man and they can't wait till they start shaving. Give me some latitude. I can't wait for that two or three hairs to show up under my armpit for the first time. Show my mama that now I'm a man. But you'll wimp out because of peer pressure. You ain't no man. You're a sissy. I don't care how many times a day you have to shave. If you can't stand up shoulder to shoulder and eye to eye and toe to toe with somebody and say, I'm going to be a godly person, I'm going to be a Christian person, I'm going to work in the church, I'm going to be involved, I'm going to serve, I don't care what people think, then you're not a man. You're the proverbial Pentecostal wiener. Shall I sing that chorus to you again? Oh, I wished I was a Pentecostal wiener. Everyone would be so proud of me. We have to understand that for every person sitting here today, young or old, money, no money, nice car, no nice car, nice house, no nice house, employed, not employed, whatever, whatever, whatever station in life you're in right now, I promise you, Talk to me five minutes after church and I'll point out the opportunity that's in front of you. There's dads here today that could take advantage of today. Starting today, you could be a better dad. There's moms here today that could be a better mom. There's people here today that could have a better, you could have a better marriage. All you have to do simply is go look in the mirror, mirror and say, I'm an idiot in this particular way. And if I quit, I'll have a better marriage. But we can't do it because... Opportunities sometimes are too blatant. They're, they're, they, they knock on the door a little bit too hard. I, th I thought about Laodicea all week long today. Uh, this week, I just keep thinking about it. The Bible said pointedly to that church, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll come open it, I'll come inside. And I'll sup with you. But you get to sup with me. This ain't going to be a one-sided thing. I'll teach you more about life. I'll give you more wisdom and understanding. I'll give you revelation. I'll give you a grip on the future. I'll give you hope. I'll rebuild your faith. When you sup with me, you're not going to walk away empty. I'm going to make life worth living. And he's standing at the door today. 
at Grace Church. He's standing on the door of everybody's heart here today, knocking and says, when you say, well, I let Jesus in 50 years ago. When's the last time you let him in lately? Do you think all of him came into your life 50 years ago? Do you think that was it? Stand with me today as our musicians come. One more illustration. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to come talk to Jesus about what I've just talked to you about. And an illustration that has been perhaps overused in the past. It is said of Alexander the Great that he sat down and wept. Actually, I heard that he propped his foot up on a rock. And he wept because he had conquered that known part of the world and there was nothing left for him to conquer. It's been stated that he literally marched off the map. Went to places that people had never heard of. And while we are greatly motivated by these sorts of things about great conquerors, when you begin to look into the reason for his death, the reason of his passing, there's more than meets the eye. He was a very young man when he died. The real tragedy lies in the details of his death. The last few days of his life came after he was involved in a drunken party that catered to all the wares and lust and desires of the flesh. A big drunken orgy. No rules, no parameters. Do what you want. Some historians say he died of poisoning that was placed in his wine. But medical doctors have analyzed the accounts of his death and they think he may have died from pancreatitis, from huge consumption of alcohol. Uh, others say that his alcohol binges created an early cirrhosis or esophageal varices that which literally it's literally bleeding to death from the esophagus. The sad fact is that while he could order his armies and had great victories in battle, he couldn't control himself. And that's what led to his death. Wasted opportunities, often forsaken. And while he would rule the world, he couldn't rule himself. One of the greatest tragedies of life is that we are often moved to do something great. Whatever it is, we're oftentimes moved to do something great, but we do not do it. We may give in to a certain sense of shyness or awkwardness, embarrassment, or even give in to second thoughts. It often occurs with the simplest of things, the impulse to send a letter of thanks, the impulse to tell someone how much they really mean to me, or the impulse to give that special gift. And far too often we give in to the ordinary, the routine. Sometimes we even give in to very bitter feelings. And we never seize the moment to make a difference. There's somebody here today. There's a certain thing. If you could do it, you would change the future course of this church of young people 
parents, but you can't do it or you won't do it. You're missing an opportunity. I have to be very careful here. I'm going to refer to somebody that is fairly well known around these parts. This person has told me over and over that I built a very lucrative business. He did. Very lucrative business. And to his children, he offered to them at a very young age go get an education and whatnot. I'll give you all the experience, all the training. Just get the education. And you can work for me. And I retire. The whole thing is yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. You can have it. And none of them would. To this day, I know these people very well. To this day, both of his siblings struggle financially. They struggle with all kinds of problems and issues. When they had an opportunity. experienced some similar things in my own personal life. Hopes, plans, and dreams that involve people and they, they don't see the opportunity. They don't see it as an opportunity. There's people at this church that I'd love to mentor. There's people at this church I'd love to train. But you're not into that. You don't want that. You don't see the opportunity, neither do you see your potential. I'd rather harbor a grudge. I'd rather pout over some disappointment. I'd rather punish people because they were they treated me badly. And you're missing the big picture. I'm pleading with somebody here today. It's, it's the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus told him and he said, go home and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come back and follow me. And the man went away grieved. Jesus didn't expect him to sell everything he had literally. He just wanted him to have the attitude man missed the greatest opportunity of his life and so in front of all of us here today is an opportunity to be better we'll start teaching about this on Wednesday night we have an opportunity to be better will you take advantage of it? will you seize the moment or do you want to continue living having a few bucks in the bank and partying every weekend and doing what you want to do or do you want to really do something beneficial for your, your, your marriage, your family what do you want to do My submission to the call of God was not an easy one. I ran from it for 10 years. I told God no 10 years. And finally fessing up to it to Sister Murphy, I'll never forget that night. But the minute I said yes to the opportunity, to the privilege of being called to ministry, she will tell you the spirit of our house changed. Everything changed. When I told her that night sitting at our kitchen table with tears streaming down my face, honey, married you I never told you I'm a felt I feel called to ministry and we're just gonna have to do it she looked at me and just said okay it's that simple it changed our life I'm in a place in my life right now in every way domestically financially in every way that I would not be in had I not said yes to ministry I know that 
I took advantage of the opportunity. And I'm going to ask you today, whatever it is, don't be less when opportunity comes. Be more. Be better. So as they play and sing, we're going to open up the front of the building as we always do. We're going to engage our ministry team. Would you come? Young people, junior high, high school, college, moms and dads, everybody. Our old folks, it's never too late to seize the opportunity of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Would you come and say, God, whatever, whenever, I'm willing. I'll do whatever it is that you ask me to do, oh God, I'll do whatever it is.
Just wanna be with you. 